I'm your sister. I'm your Howard sister. I'm your bison queen. You know. I'm your friend. I am your uh, frontline fighter. I am defender of black men and lover of them. I'm Inga Willis. I'm a Howard University graduate, and I'm defined by the privilege of that education. I'm a Southwest Atlanta native. I'm a hip hop head. I'm an alpha chapter, alpha kappa alpha woman. And Howard taught me, and I've been a supporter of Kamala Harris since her first campaign as a soror and got, has gotten the opportunity to know her, meet her, engage with her throughout her presidential campaign. And so I am sitting with my brothers today, her request to discuss what is before us, which is a myriad of issues deeply rooted in Howard excellence and being first so that others will not have to be. That's I right. We could start there. That's the dopest introduction. <laughs> That's pillar that, post right there. I can give you the answer of what this does for the table of leadership moving forward. And the fact that yesterday the first speech was given with both of them there and how deferent he was to her intellect and inclusion. And one of the points Joe Biden made was when he was chosen the question he was asked is, what do you want to be here? And it was to be the last person that President Obama conferred with before making a major decision, whether he agreed with it or not. And I must say to you that I ride for that last person being a Black woman. I ride with that. It, I grew up in a household where that kept us on track. I, I, I was socialized around brothers like you who grew up in the same environment. So if I have to bank on something, let it be on a black woman saying, hold up. It's something as simple and subtle as inclusion and decision-making mm -hmm. as opposed to symbolic lobs. Uh, but even more so when I saw her depart her residence where she was yesterday to in the SUV with the secret service to go to make the speech. I've seen it before. I've seen Michelle Obama. It was my, honestly, an unexpected reaction of what it felt like to see someone like me protected at all costs. Right. Mm. That was something mm. that I did. We talked about this with Black Panther. I didn't know I needed to feel it until I felt it. That's right. And when I felt it, I said, wow, at all costs. I love that. The, the, the United States, not, not, not. I feel protected at all costs when I'm in your midst at homecoming. I, I do. I feel safe. I'm in a safe space. If something right. were to go wrong, I feel protected, honestly. And there aren't many spaces that we feel that way. It's but the United States of America, yeah. at, at, the, at, the, at the country's allocation, she's protected at all costs. And that was something I've never felt before. So that's just a portion of what changes is perception mm -hmm. and visibility. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't negate the issues and hurdles that we have in our community. But uh, that, that was one of the first things I felt yesterday. Where are you at with the Mo? That speaks to the, you know, the whole thing of this, of, of firsts and, and the depths of what they actually mean. So the fact that for the first time, there's a black woman 
who is a viable candidate to to become the the vice president of the United States. And now one of the things is you see on television a black woman being protected as the most precious, the most important thing on your screen, which is not something that you see in any sort of real life. We see it in movies. There's a great proliferation in media right now. There's black women who are doing dope stuff. So those types of images are being are being curated purposefully and 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 they're more pervasive. But to see it in that context, like this is real life. I've never right? seen it before. Is it different right. than what we saw with Mrs. Obama? No. And and well, it, it's just a reminder of that it's still another first. So I think it's similar, but it it's still it's still brand new. It's the second time you've seen a black woman protected by the entity, you know, as, I'm gonna as tell you mentioned, the United States. It's similar in terms of importance. It's similar in terms of, of protection. Mm-hmm. The difference is, on its surface, it was because she belonged to him. Right, hmm. right. So now, Miss. This is because she is her. Senator Harris is on her own. Baby, right. let me tell you something. That's a very subtle. Subtle difference. You'll see it when you talk through things about why this isn't right. And it's like, hey, that's someone's wife, that's someone's mom, that's someone's sister, but she's someone. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what that she it's because she's her. Right. Um, it felt equally awesome with our first lady, forever first lady, Michelle Obama. But just the subtlety of her serving this role, um, qualified, bona fide experienced mm-hmm. and fly it's something right. so just to throw the challenge there would it have been different if one of the other black women being considered were also in that same visual you wouldn't no, you wouldn't have this podcast with howard folk <laughs> and aka's and but but it would be a totally different it'd be a totally different vibe your it social media wrong wouldn't be full of of all of us Howard folk. <laughs> we can't hate you or you know enough in public, right? You know, so it would be it would be different in I think it would hit us as in literally us on this phone call differently because it hits us True. as a home thing differently than other folks, right? It's Howard folks and then HBCU folks and then HB and, and then sorority folks and then black folks writ large, right? So I think we would be much more, we'd be closer to that surface. Now I don't know one of the other, you know, black women's well, we, um, we, you know, we sororities, have that right? Moment with Obama. I mean, we we uh, the moment would still be glorious, but you know, we'd probably be drowning out less vitriol. Right. If yeah. it were black mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. No, were you saying that. a different black woman? You were saying like if 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 One of Biden the other candidates chosen. on the list, I assumed he meant. Right, meant right. Okay. Abrams, uh, Susan Rice. Because uh, real talk, I, like you, you mentioned before, be like not being, not having publicly, you know, riding for for Kamala from the beginning. I wasn't, I, but I publicly said I like Kamala Harris and I like Elizabeth Warren on the Democratic ticket. I like Bernie too. Bernie's 
<laughs> everything around him is problematic. It kind of is off-putting. I think my politics is closest aligned with Elizabeth Warren, and I identify with her as an educator and as someone mm -hmm. from academia and everything else. She's probably the closest if I were to choose the person who would be politically like me, right? Mm -hmm. It would be her. But the person with whom I identified the most by far was Kamala Harris. And so it literally is a part of identity politics and my politics, but Kamala Harris has enough of my politics. Because I'm pretty far to the left, right? But she has enough of my politics that I'm perfectly fine and celebrating the fact that she's in the White House. Go ahead and claim it, brother. Right? Because I... <laughs> Because I see it because I see this as a you mentioned the future. I see this as a larger plan. Joe Biden is is Joe Biden is is what, 115. So he'll be 119 by the time he's trying to run for president again. Right. right? It's 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 understood. Joe Biden at 82 will not be seeking reelection. Real talk. We understand. We look at we look at him deteriorate in front of us. He's not as sharp as he was when he was Obama's right hand man. And so we know this is just this is us. This is setting this up in a way such that he is passing on from Barack Obama to say, hey, man, you did me a solid. Now, what I'm going to do is do you a solid. We're going to do our best to put the first black woman in the White House. We are going mm -hmm. to roll out the red carpet politically to make this happen. And how that, can we not be on board with that? Right. 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 I mean, I, I, I saw that from the beginning. I, I saw that because you have it's politics and strategy. Yeah. So another part of the commentary uh, that I've been seeing is, you know, well, she wasn't my first choice, but, you know, and I'm 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 not going to qualify her excellence. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to qualify her receipts. I'm not going to qualify the way that she walked up to that podium and stood there and began to deliver presidentially on day one. Once I knew it was her, I was on board. So I, it's, but I want to share that with you. There's no love lost on that being what it takes to get people on board because right, a lot of right. people need to know, okay, can we win? Like, I need to know if we can win. So if I am choosing my fighter in Mortal Kombat, mm -hmm. I'm going with the black woman. There you go. That you can always know about me. So this moment would have been epic where any of the other candidates. But let me be very clear that if we were doing report cards on potential candidates, mm -hmm. Kamala Harris was the candidate that blew the curve. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting. You, you hit the nail on the head when you said people want to know if we can win. And I and I definitely own that. You know, at, in the beginning, when we were doing the narrowing of the field, we went from too many candidates for president that you couldn't even fit them all on one debate stage. There had to be, you know, 12 here and four more the next day. I'm waiting to see who can win. Did I, I didn't cut the check, and I, I hold myself accountable for that. I am cutting the check now. Welcome. Would there, how would this, would it, would it have just not worked the other way around, Kamala Joe? Apparently not, and it's very important to, um, it's very important to look at the nuances of things, right? So, Politics is strategy, policy, um, coalitions, mm -hmm. execution, and process. A lot of people get into politics, and there's a way that you make yourself known. 
one of the ways to make yourself known in the sphere is to be about that life in the Senate hearings. And then it's like, oh, home, go off, girl. You yeah, know, okay, every so time. It's off. go off black woman when it's <laughs> lighting them up in the Senate hearings. But then when you step into the arena to claim your own power, there may be crickets. Mm-hmm. And you have to be OK with that. So what you need in that moment are familiar faces in every room. And that may be sorors, that whatever that takes. So those of us who need to be there the entire way, always be there. But it is important to understand that a black woman ran for president of the United States without overwhelming support from the black community. Yet and still, she's the one. Mm -hmm. So that lets you know a few things. Get it together, because she's a go. Yep. She she start she set out running for president. And if everything goes according to what is now clearly the Democratic Party's plan in 2024, she will be elected president of the United States. And and the piece that goes with that as well is as someone who is a progressive mm-hmm. and is probably not as as socialist. I'm equally as Marxist, but probably not as socialist as my progressive friends are, right? I lean a little bit into some capitalism. Uh, that's probably what they would accuse of me of doing. But even though we're not, we're, we have been a little disparate, uh, you know, here on the progressive wing of the party. However, if you look at this as a long-term plan, you move from Donald Trump who is engaged in, I don't even know if it's really right-wing politics. It's probably just like uh, a bastardized set of identity politics and terrible it's social planning, right? The Republican. right. He, he's hijacked the party. And, and dismantled it and dismantled government and centralized power in ways that aren't really right-wing or left-wing. left-wing. It's not conservative, it's chaos. Right, absolutely. Now, when we get back out of the chaos and get back to just normal terrible people who are president of the United States, right? (laughs) Because I still believe that the president of the United States is someone who is the head of a colonial imperial nation that generally means bad news for the rest of the world, in particular people of color, right? And at the same time, it's a place that I live and I want to see it be dope. So all those things considered, if we want to move the country further towards left, we got to get out of chaos first, we solidify it, got back to old white dude, Joe Biden, cool. Then we move to black woman. Then that black woman gets a chance to pick her vice president. And we continue to get more and more progressive as to English point, as the people who are now sitting in the room are stewarding more progressive people into the government. Because I tell you what, no matter what we may think of Kamala as a, as, as a progressive, because she's not, right? There's no way in hell you can compare the experiences and the ability to move shit under her and Biden compared to Trump and Pence. Right. Right. One, you don't have the ability to do it because, as Inga said, it's chaos. So you don't even have the political machinery in there that you can start to tease out and say, okay, now let's start moving this political machinery. You know, it's the cartoons. You see the fist flying and the puff of smoke. You don't need no fight. We are convening in a pandemic. We are convening in quarantine. Currently, mm-hmm. to have this conversation because of a lack of leadership. Right. At a time when our community is dying, our elders, our men, right, our aunties, 
And now our babies because of neglect and a lack of leadership. So I like to keep my eye on what we're up against. I've chosen my fighter. Right. And I would have been equally enthused by any other sister who was chosen because I believe that we are the solution in tandem with coalitions that embrace that. Mm-hmm. We waited during the civil rights movement. It wasn't our turn. We still worked. You can't you cannot stop it. But the good news is that the assembly that's created, that I do believe there's a space even in this cabinet that is not uber progressive. What is hurtful is the um not the conversations like these where it's like, hey, I wanted to see if we could win. You know, I have my own ideologies, but the the undergirding of misogyny in this moment that would have brothers choose a Kanye, even if he's not on the ballot in their state or a Trump or fall for that strategy. Last time it was 14 percent. There's no choice to be made here. Our literal lives are on the line. Right. The, the good thing for us is regardless of where you stood, what candidate you may or may not have contributed to, we move forward as a unit. Right. That's what we do. I think that we agree on so much. I don't want to uh, misstate that. We agree on so much that I'm bringing points of the conversation to the table that kind of are outside of what didn't need to be said, right? Sure. I think there's so much that doesn't need to be said about, I know who I'm voting for. I know who I'm going to check. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are we, what are we talking about? I know who, what, I know who I'm pulling for, for the all next, in. for the next eight, all in. Right. Yeah. So, so the conversation only has legs to me on maybe some of the finer areas, sure. the finer questions. What are the marching orders today? What do we need to do? I think it's several things. First and foremost, we need to defeat Donald Trump. So, so let's go back to yesterday. I don't know if you all both saw it. The speeches yesterday. Did I did not. <clears throat> Please go back and watch. Okay. It was the first moment that they spoke, as I was mentioning earlier, but it was in a, in an arena, but there was no audience. So I think the thought was that this isn't going to go well, but the intimacy and the solitude and the focus and the lighting <laughs> that emerged with his introduction of her and being able to speak uninterrupted actually was so calm and <clears throat> focused that it was this polar opposite of the current leadership. Right. It left nothing. There's no more to discuss. Today was the coronavirus rollout plan, mm-hmm. a 90 day mandate on masks and how we save lives. Like they're moving right into, so our marching orders are to assemble the herd rally our troops, make sure that we are contributing to the fundraising goals, because now that a black woman has been chosen, we have to now show that she's worth it. How do we approach the ambivalent middle and bring them to this side of the discussion? Facts. You're fighting F-A. against the, the number one maker-upper of facts, <laughs> the giver describe of nicknames. The, describe the audience for me. With whom would you be speaking? Someone who is uh, on the fence, someone who would not be voting for them in the first place? The big middle. The consciousness. I don't know that that's my, our responsibility, but I think that part of the assembly is having a ticket that doesn't frighten them, that doesn't, that, 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 
speaks to the heart of them. And, and I think the pandemic has thrown us a layup as awful as it is, because you've got people who can't just, you know, their kids may not be going back to school. They're having to homeschool, you know, so these are real issues. It's not, you know, how it's usually talking points like, oh, college debt, oh, um, climate change, but we're mm-hmm. not in the middle of the actual crisis. This pandemic has shifted the urgency of, wait, things are really jacked up. My business is shutting down. So we're communicating with people from a point of pain. They're cutting off unemployment. Right. These aren't just people of color. I think that there is a reckoning that has to occur, and it's either chaos or calm. Mm -hmm. And those are the two choices. And I don't know who chooses chaos now. The white female vote has always been, well, what? Our (laughs) vote needs to increase. But I think there's something about them that makes it obvious that we can do better. That was an interesting thing about the choice. You never mind the record, which is super important. But Mo, you bring up Elizabeth Warren. So you're the Joe Biden camp and you say on the surface level, I can pick a black woman mm-hmm. or a white woman. And the white woman vote being what it has been and in the numbers they exist in the country. Mm-hmm. It makes the it makes the choice interesting. Where are you at on the that? White women, the white women didn't show up for her either. Right. They didn't. White women show up for white men. You know, I think the 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 problem that you start to run into is just chronological, man. At at 82 and Elizabeth Warren is in her 70s, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, and yeah. And it, it it simply becomes not even as much of a political game to say, all right, look. How are we going if you if we're committed to making America great, right? Or as better, if we're if we're committed to unfucking what has been done. That's, to the what's United ha- that's States, what we gotta do. Say right? that. Mm-hmm. Then then we're going to have to engage in some long-term planning. We're not gonna do that in four years of this next elected person, right? No. Because Donald Trump is just done in four years of chaos. I think it's oh, he's only been in office for four years. It seems like 14, right? Right. So think of all the things that have to be undone, right? Politically, socially, economic, all the fixing that has to happen. The American psyche has to be fixed. And so part of that has to be this longer term plan. And so yeah. if you're at the top of the Democratic Party, you can't say, hey, look, man, we don't care what happens in 2024. We need the party now. Because now you sound like the Republicans. They're like, okay, listen, is our, is our party going to be around in 2024? And who should be in charge? And because the Democratic Party has, uh, since the 1960s, since it's become the Civil Rights Party, it has had the bigger tent. It's had the more diverse umbrella. There are more people of color in that room to say mm-hmm. it's our turn. And so that's what has happened. The Democratic Party has been forced, in my opinion, to to move away from the Elizabeth Warrens, who I like and who I thought would be dope. Um, and quite honestly, and it's and it's a bit of it's a it's a bit of ageism, but not in the sense that. I think that, you know, old people aren't capable, but just in a sense that we need different. We've always had, you know, we've almost always had old people mm-hmm. as president. Let's do something different. President, president president of the United States is one of the few jobs that privileges the elderly. 
So now let's do let's do something different and let's think about the future of where the Democratic Party might go. Yes. So long term strategy is super important. And we've never been here before. We've never had to operate and sustain through this type of environment. Spiritually, mentally, professionally, socially, ever. Even the most George W. in the middle of chaos would come on the screen and say, my fellow Americans, and I'm, I wasn't all in on anything, but at least I knew you were up there addressing the issue. Now, you, you struck out super bad on Katrina, but you, you, got your, you, you came to the podium and you talked to the people. Yeah. You said, this is what it is. This is what's happening. Have you been addressed by leadership? Is yeah. no. there a unifying undergirding in the country? Like, it's, like, it's like George Bush was a shitty president, but Donald Trump is just a shitty dude who yeah, got elected <laughs> to that office. There's a difference between poor leadership and, and uh, horrendous character. Yep. Like, and, and the thing about black people and black voters, we know the difference. McCain wasn't our guy, not even close to our guy, but not a terrible dude. Right. John Didn't McCain he, was your boss that you went to the job. He was the older white dude who was probably a little bit racist, but just in general treated you pretty fair. You know, old military guy. Like, you get along with that dude forever. You're used to that. You know, so I think that um, there are several things, but I, I just want us, what are our marching orders to speak with the people that we love in our spheres and let them know there's only one thing, because we're being inundated with media, sound bites. Um, a lot of times the work of people that don't look like us, that sit in rooms in other countries and feed you things so that, you know, t- turns out the Kamala a cop thing came from a white woman. Would it, 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 but it gets ingrained and it allows us to focus on the unimportant. What's important right now is the dismantling of this chaotic, moral, moral-less cesspool. Morally bankrupt. Yep. That has assembled around the preservation of white supremacy over the past four years, hijacked the Republican Party, which weren't even our, they weren't our jam. But it wasn't this. It was it was conservative. It was not chaotic. Right. It was it was destructive for us. It was not policy that assisted us, but it wasn't overtly things that blatantly slaughtered us. There were long term policy slaughters, not 100,000 people with the COVID. Right. I mean, the Republican Party we grew up with would have never elected a dude who bragged about grabbing a woman by the pussy. They no. would have never done it. The party of Reagan would have net. They would. They They're would freedom. have. They would have crushed Donald Trump into dust and oblivion and made sure that he didn't exist politically. They would have come. They would have completely destroyed him. So, yeah, that. So I think there's a difference. Remember when the Tea Party be the Tea Party yep. emerged yep. and it was like the what am I trying to say? It was like the outer fringe extreme. Yeah. But it was just a couple of peeps and it was, you know, it was there, but it wasn't Charlottesville. Let me give you both a minute to think about this question. OK. And I want some real tangible answers from you both. Where do we want to be in eight years? So when I'm voting for 
my candidate here in the state of Washington, the Republicans, the Republican candidates, they choose how they're listed. There were candidates who listed themselves as the Trump Republican Party mm-hmm. and the candidates who listed themselves in the in the Republican Party. Right. So when you ask about what I want to see in eight years, I want to see that. I want to see these parties split up. There need to be at least within the Republican Party. Think of think of it in terms of what people's people's major issues uh, are. Right. When it comes to voting and how they lean, you've got evangelicals that that should be its own party. You've got the fiscal conservatives. Right. And social liberal. Right. There's all these different subsects within each party. Each party should probably be three or four. And I hope, hope that this goes towards fracturing these parties. Unfortunately, what will happen is once there are more viable parties, the presidency will still be captured largely pro- by the by the Democrats and the Republicans. But if you've got the new progressive party and if you've got the, the new evangelical party, and as much as I absolutely can't stand almost every single part of their politics in the United States, this is where I tend to be a little bit, you know, not as left as my friend. In the United States, I want them as a part of our government because that voice literally should be heard, even though I don't want any of their policies to pass, right? But that fracturing would, I think, allow more people to get elected, to your point, Inga, like the Tea Party. A Tea Party now has its own party. The progressives have their own party, and now they got folks in Congress, and now they've got folks in Congress, and now this party has senators, and this party has congr- you know, congressional reps, and now we start to spread out who has a voice. And so right. hopefully over the eight years that we have, I hope to see the the fracturing of those two parties, the the and the look when you say power to the people. I want power to the people. I want the party to be to be decentralized from those two parties and start fracturing into three more, six more, and spread. Point taken, and I think part of my answer is rooted in the voices, right? So, what you just described is how black music is broken down at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. It's not one genre, right? right? So you have R&B, you got this, you got that. But we've seen the emergence of more progressive candidates that have been successful. Um, uh, one of the things that I love about Kamala Harris is that despite her certainty of positioning, she campaigned down ballot. She always campaigned down ballot for others. She always amplified others in the space. And right. I think that is the type of character fitness you can't get at the gym because then it's not self-driven as much as like, if I'm losing, then why do I care about you in Alabama or you Stacey Abrams or you Keisha Lance Bottoms or, or, or Ayanna Presley. Um, Mm -hmm. but to have someone at the table that amplifies, that is not, and back to being Howard woman, if I could close out with this, when you are rooted Mm-hmm. in your essence and, and your self-awareness, then you are less easily deterred by someone else's success. And, and that true confidence that you have to have at Howard because all the girls are pretty and everybody's smart. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like you, you come out of high school, like, okay, well I'm, oh, then you get there and it's like, oh, so <laughs> the California girls, okay. So Got it. Thought I was going to be in the fashion show, but it's like a fashion show. You know, so when you have to carve out, and I'm sure it's the same for you all, but when you have to carve out your identity amongst greatness, 
amongst iron. It allows you to be more graceful and pleasant as we should be to others. I think that's an important essence to have at the table and still take no shit. Let's be clear on that. What I would like to see more of is for a progressive brother like you and a sister like me that has progressive ideologies, but in this midst, you know, there is no thriving independent. Uh, I I can't, I can't, I I can't play with y'all right now. I cannot play with y'all right now. I have to win. And in order to win, this is the path that I have to take. What I can do is be involved, be at the table, present policy, discuss issues that might, you know, be present. The, the worst thing we can do is not be present. The beauty of this situation is we have the opportunity to be present, present, right? right. Um, and within the next eight years, I would like to see an energy shift. I would like to see um, the things that we've learned the most in this pandemic, that it is important that we grow our own food that pesticides are bad, that you do need to get a garden going if you got a backyard. The alchemy that we've returned to, I would like to see that amplified through policy, through agriculture, through environment, and through education. We've also gotten back to homeschooling, you know, and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So what do those curriculums look like? How are they more comprehensive? Because what if things don't go back to the way that they were? So I would like to see us grow as a unit and focus more on, to your point, long-term strategies versus I don't know when this whole thing happened that we had to like somebody. We didn't like, um, who did you like? Have you liked anybody? Like you have to like somebody. You need to pass a personality test. This wasn't my pick. Well, does your wife know she won your pick first? Right, right, like, right. Jumping off. Y'all see me. I'm, I'm going off the ledge, but I'm saying why is Let's what go. I think so important to this moment? I didn't ask you what you thought. I didn't ask you what I didn't ask you why you weren't there. Yeah. I ask you, what are we doing right now mm-hmm. and how do we work together? Right. Because mm-hmm. what you like and what you thought has nothing to do with whom he thought was best for this moment and our future. Uh, it just so happens to be our sister. We're here now. Who man? Hey, look, I know. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish. I came all calm today. Trying to keep a steady cam for B. Now, <laughs> now I'm getting pumped up. Not, you know how I get. Yo, let's see. I'm not. I'm not nobody's by no stretch of the imagination conservative or old black dude, man. But I do. That character in me is riled up when I look at. I'm looking at these young uppity Negroes and they like, no, no, no. I want to vote for this black woman. Stop I'm it. like, shit. Right. Do you realize we didn't have one to pick from <laughs> forever? And I'm, I'm saying so. The vice presidential debate is coming up, right? How? What's your, let me ask y'all a question. I'm taking a poll. What's your success rate with debating with Howard Women? <laughs> Just if you think. If you would ask me during undergrad, I'd have probably told you I was undefeated. Oh, and for then, course you would have. And yeah. then, yes, you would have. Once I grew up, then what? I looked back and was like, yo, I went winless. (laughs) I thought I was undefeated. I lost every time. Yo. I think that that is such a touch point for our culture within the HBCU ecosystem. We are trained to debate. We don't have to agree. We will chop each other's heads off about something. That's just our sports. That's how we can, that's our love language is debate. But when it comes time to go to war, we come prepared, we come trained, 
I don't know about you, but those Houston elections and those power hall elections were very serious back then. That was her training ground. You know, I am out of the personal bag and into the policy bag and, right. and future bag. And I'm so thankful that this, whatever your belief system is, but this moment that has come in the form of plagues and separation has given us a crack of light with some common sense and uh, a different lens. Right. Let's not forget about the women of Indian descent who are feeling represented in this moment, who their culture didn't necessarily send their girls away to go to study science, but that's what her mother received, was a dad who educated her. Like that's, that's the cloth she's cut from. So if we talking cloth, I'm good on thread count. What I want to know is how we move wider, faster as a unit in the midst of all of this. It's more than just fundraising. It's, it's conversations that black men need to have with black men. It's conversations that black women need to have amongst black women. It's love and exchanges like these. It's, it's allowing you to be not on the same page with me about something and me still love and respect your opinion. And then when it's time to go to war and we pick our fighter, we're together. The assembly of the herd. And it, yeah, I love it. The assembly of the herd. And it allows us, it allows us to ensure that we're always under the same tent and under the same umbrella so we can continue to move stuff forward. If Kamala's at the cook, Kamala's at the cookout. She holds the cookout. She's, She's a black it. woman, Have right? Right. Right. She's cooking, right? She's so at the menu. At her cookout, if you <laughs> sit there, your progressive, you know, my progressive ass sister, whatever, we sit down and we just talk. Literally, we just hang out. Yeah. Not, oh, yeah, we get along because we're at Howard. No. But we start discussing life experiences. We start talking about blackness. We start yeah. talking about our experiences in the United States. We start talking about where we want the United States to go. We start talking about the criminal mistreatment of black folks by the, like, we're going to be on the same page on almost every single thing, right? Like, the little pieces, once you, act, if you tease out what little pieces, there might be disagreement between my politics and Kamala Harris. At that point, you're at zero. Because like you said, it took, it has, we have a black woman to actually choose from. It took a pandemic and for them to elect a high functioning gorilla to the White House in order to finally listen I'm, and say, I, Here's you're being black. gracious with high functioning. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> okay, gorilla, I'll accept and then put a dub on that. But you're right, it took this crisis to get us here. But let's go back to the cookout. If we're at that space, there were Republicans at Howard. There were, we are m masters of the comprehension of the diaspora mm -hmm. because we were taught it and trained in it. So we know that that extends to the shores of Jamaica and all through the West Indies, because those people didn't just walk up there for vacation property. They were slaves as well. So as we have these conversations with the ADOS people and the, the different pockets of people that have this. So I got a message today I'll share with y'all from a brother who's really serious about reparations and ADOS. And he was like, you need to tell her. That's what he said to me. Tell her to put this on the platform to get the independence. I said, one, share it with her yourself via inclusion. And I've sat at the diverse table plenty of times with mentioned candidate and you're never there right. Two, be well-versed on the diaspora, specifically that Jamaica curve, because that's where her dad is from. So if we're going to talk about 
reparations, it needs to be comprehensive because American black people don't own the patent on slavery. Three, please, before you speak to a Howard woman, be very well versed on the difference between race and identity Mm -hmm. and culture. But with all of those things downloaded, you feel free to share with her yourself. So, and his response was surprising. He said, thank you for being so available. Sometimes we don't know how to get to the table. That's great. Like, so there's a touch point there. Of, we, I don't have to agree with you. I know where you were going with your post. But you right. can't dig at a woman like me about something like reparations. When black diaspora was the course I took it to school, one and two. Did you have Dr. Hayward? Dr. Ammons. You had Dr. Hayward. You had Dr. Ammons. I had Dr. Hayward. Let me tell you something. I found the book a few months ago with my blue book still in it in my notes. Mm. I'm grateful for the lens of our education because it allows us to operate in this space of diversity with so much more love and approach through a lens because you can't, this thing is being rolled out like carpet, okay? We're there, it's future. It's future for, we're going to get our first female president, and baby, she's going to be a bison. And if anybody got a problem with that, tell them to call me. Because we're first so that the rest may be bequeathed. Right. The continuation. It's what we do. But what they don't know is we will hash it out behind closed doors. But when it's time to step up and rep our set, who we with? Yeah. Who's your choice? Where's your school's candidate? (laughs) do it do it okay and there's a space in this cabinet for an elizabeth warren and for which i've never seen and for castro like that's the model that i'm hoping they take from obama like the avengers because that coalition she said it yesterday when you rewatched the speech but i think she said coalition of conscience Mm -hmm. which lets me know that that there's space for that ideology there but the candidate had to be a black woman after South Carolina it was nothing else to talk about. Right. We did that. Who did yeah. that? Who delivered South Carolina? Who did it? Jim Clyburn and black folks. At that moment, what else is there to talk? Everybody was on a respirator with their campaign. Right. Everybody. It was the one Clyburn announcement that turned everything around. Dude was and gone. Dude was Joe out. Joe Biden was not, Joe Biden was not the guy. Right. He, it was Pete. People haven't said the words Pete Buttigieg in, in like three months, but he Pete Buttigieg momentum. was the guy. He, he had won Iowa, down. right? He had won Iowa. Yeah. And typically those are your indicators. But again, because of the emergence of the re-emergence, excuse me, of the importance and value of black life, police, you know, all of the things that we've been going through, that's out of all all of their league. It's out of Warren's league. I don't Mm. care how many sisters you got rocking with you. And I know a gang of them that I totally respect because they're social justice workers and frontliners and the matter. I, I, I know these people, but when it comes down to saying, Hey, enough, who, whose finger is this? (laughs) This is this black woman's finger. And when a black woman says, let me tell you something. <laughs> what we're not going to do is one, two, three, four. That's the only thing that can save us now. And it is something that black men love, adore, respect, 
and are familiar with. And we just going to have to get on one accord and keep that 14 percent low. Because mm-hmm. all of that's rooted in isms. It's colorism. It's it's racism. It's misogyny. It's all of the isms at once. And sometimes these candidates come along like an Obama and like a Kamala Harris that assemble all of the isms into what classism. It, it assembles all of those things into one space and it makes you face it, you know? So I understand that a black woman that does not look like me could very well feel less of a connection in this moment. And it is my duty to assure that she does. And conversely, what I'm not going to do is discuss blackness. I feel comfortable knowing that we'll be heard. Yeah. I mean, we're going to make sure that happens anyway, no matter who's there. But yeah. there's, a, there's an assurity that knowing that as I have a gathered opinion on an issue, in the same way you feel protected at homecoming, I feel comfortable knowing that I will be heard. And that's fantastic. And I think heard, pun intended, is the perfect word because now what we have to <laughs> march in orders, we gotta we have to assemble the whole HBCU herd. But those special places to your point be like, I do feel safe. I I feel safe here with you all, mm-hmm. even if we fighting. I, nobody's gonna come in and it, it, that that is such a, a rare feeling. Right. And perhaps conversely for you, it's a rare feeling as a black man to feel like you'll be heard. Mm. So if I listen and you trust. We will win. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It's it's a it's a even just from a historical standpoint, black women have been tasked with raising everyone else's children, literally and figuratively, right? In yeah. so many different ways. And so even to the point where when we add is, an ism in, we add racism in to black motherhood, we get a whole mammy trope, right? That whole stereotype exists because we recognize this inherent motherhood that black women have invested in the soil of the United States through its people. And so that, that a black woman ends up ushering the United States out of this era where we have this, that, that have this bit of chaos, Mm -hmm. it simply makes sense. And hopefully as people rally, they rally around just that general sense and notion. Black women have been providing this type of motherhood, caring, and leadership consistently, right? That's a normalized part. My fault. It's a normalized part of, of, of just how everyone who's ever been on this soil has <laughs> been conditioned to view black women, black women, even if they haven't participated or, or been it. touched by it. We will take care of ourselves. And that pain is a part of our process. Mm-hmm. In love, in life, in progress, in career, in all things. That that's something that we are equipped to deal with. That it comes with the deal. Yeah. And if you ride long enough with that, you will be honored and protected. But it's always been a hypothetical. This is the first time. It's like, oop, she's the pick. Wham. Call the people. With a, hmm. whoop, Go. Wow. Yeah. Go. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's not... She ready? And this, and this ain't she's the pick. This is no. Wait a minute. They're setting her up to be president. They're setting Kamala Harris to be up in the White House. Their plan is for her to be in the White House for twelve consecutive years. Let me tell you something right now. Okay. I have been <laughs> calm. <laughs> I have walked through this thing since she announced her candidacy. I have stood in rooms. I've introduced her. I have spent time with her. 
politics makes people cold. And I learned this from Shirley Franklin in Atlanta, who's mm-hmm. a bison queen as well, that some people like good government. Mm-hmm. Other people like the game of politics, mm-hmm. right? And it was the love of good government and coalition approaches that gave us a Maynard Jackson and that gave us this, this, this change, right? The response to that coalition was the last dance of white supremacy because Barack Obama gave us that feel of, of unity and hope mm-hmm. and a black wife and black girl, you know, just the whole All vibe. Yep. What a black male feminist looks like. Mm-hmm. And yes, like that's what we need. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so now here in this moment, I'm overjoyed, but I'm also grateful for the effortless assembly of supporters. We're now just having calm conversations because both of you brothers know that come home, come in 2021. <laughs> Hello. Is this thing on? Can y'all hear me? <laughs> test, test, test. One, two, two. Y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Baby, listen to me. Yeah. You'll be able to tell us nothing. We haven't even been able to. You can't tell us nothing now. Right. Right. Never been able to tell us anything. It's our way. But to be able to assemble in the district, we are going to win. Mm-hmm. And, we have and, choice. and I got to because we do this publicly. So there and there are other people, HBCUs who listen to this and listen, it's always HBCUs versus everybody. It's always that it's always us. You know, yes. we're always down for each other. But y'all know us bison, be arrogant with ours. So, you know, we're going to be incorrigible for about a year. But after that, we're going to be we're going to be I don't think it'll be any different. Yeah, I think it's the same. I'm and already, I always say that I, I don't even view it as arrogance as far as it's it's facts and receipts, right? So the, you know, um th- there's a reason <laughs> that we are the continual mentionable. There's a reason that we are located in the District of Columbia, which gives us more access to Capitol Hill and things like that. But it is our duty to amplify again, amplify the rest of the ecosystem who they don't have the same access that we have, but they have the same grit. They have the same intellect. They, they just don't have the same um, wraparound support systems that got us to where we were. And that's a fact. However, <laughs> we win. And training at Howard for politics, if you're a poli-sci major, you are ready. You know, we know them. If you are a business major, you are ready. School is like we come, we compete internally with each other. Right. So I'm grateful and looking forward to the time when we can embrace and, and, and be yeah. who we are with each other, even with our differences and your marching orders are to support, amplify and protect black women at all costs. There and it it's is. dope because HBCUs are united now because it's like, yes. okay, look, we, we have it. the first person from an HBCU in the in the vice presidency and then in the presidency. So you figure you got a HBC, your first person HBCU comes through. And as we always talk about, if you're black, you have to, you know, work twice as hard to go half as far. So the first person from an HBCU to get into the white house is set up for, now we love to claim stuff before it happens. There's a lot of work to be done, but the clear plan for the party is for her to be in the white house for 12 years. So the first time somebody from an HBCU come through, to do it, they do it crazy. It has to be done 
what they used to say, break it down so it can forever and consistently be broke. broken. <laughs> to your point, the party, not just for Howard, if we look at the mayors that are in position, we've got so many HBCU young mayors um, in Alabama, in uh, Minnesota, um, you know, FAMU's in the building. Uh, Morehouse is in, we, we are, there's a reason, you know, but this creates the season. And so now down ballot in these other races, we got a bison running for what? Senate in Mississippi? And we have other people to support. So as you begin to open up your wallets and, and, and support campaigns, look down ballot, not just here, everywhere that we are, because now it's about, to your point, you want to be progressive, flip some seats. Right. Yep. That, that's how the other voices have gotten in the room. So I think we're in... Um, the best position we've ever been in at the worst time this country's ever seen. It's fascinating. Ultimately, it, it boils down to, for me, Kamala Harris being a much better, I think she'll be a much better vice president and president than she will be presidential candidate or vice presidential candidate. And it says something about her, says a hell of a lot about her. If you say her goal was to become the president, she she tried to she tried to win it for four and looks like she might end up being in there for 12. So how Howard is that? Yep. Isn't that right? Won't we do it? In the words of Anthony Mackie, cut the check. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Let's go. I love you, brothers. That's right. Love you, too. Love you, too. That is the end of our show officially. How did you feel about it? Was there anything you felt like was unsaid? Well, apparently I said everything that I needed to say. So, shit, let me be quiet. I, and I should have stopped a half an hour Mr. Ago. Wallace, you should be quiet. <laughs> I'm grateful. I can't wait to come reassemble with you all as this progresses. And I think it's very important for us just to be able to talk next steps, um, inclusion, involvement, because it is going to be very important to be able to say where you are in this moment. Mm -hmm. This is going to matter in 20, 30 years. So I encourage all of you to get on board, whatever that looks like locally. Let's strategize. Let's let's talk about it and let's make sure our policy desires are reflected with the first and the finest. You know, we're just, just, we're just going to ooze alpha chapter, alpha kappa, alpha for the next <laughs> That's what y'all It's going to be encourageable inside of encourageable. I, I'm in my... <laughs> you got to understand, Howard, everybody is like that. This is just extra sauce. Mm -hmm. So you get into it, everybody, but we're here and I'm willing to be a resource. And if, if other people I can bring to speak to other things, um, I love what you all are doing. I appreciate your platform. Um and the way that you support black women. I love it. That's right. 